Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last year at this time, my family was sitting right there. Donna was right about behind them. Cindy was right there. Rich was manning the video equipment, as he's doing right now. Eleanor was playing the organ. And we recorded a service during the day to be loaded up on the church YouTube page that evening. We had a Vesper service, not a divine service. And as much as I enjoy being around my family, the Ulrichs, Donna, that Monday, Thursday was terrible. It was terrible because God's people are supposed to be together. The Holy Spirit calls us to faith in Christ through the means of grace, through his word and sacraments. And part and parcel with this, he gathers us together around those same means. So the Christian faith, by its very nature, is a faith that is not in isolation. It's not distant. Rather, it's a body joined together with our head, Christ. Imagine if your arm was one place and your leg was another, you'd be in poor shape. One of the worries, rightfully so, during this past year of many pastors, theologians, and just Christians as a whole has been a concern that we grow comfortable in being apart. There's that meme that goes around social media from time to time, which in a sense says, the more you miss church, the less you miss church. And it's true. We grow complacent and we form habits and things in our lives, and before we know it, we wake up one day and we stop caring, stop thinking about the things of God, or think these things are a substitute for being together as the body of Christ. But the doctrine of the church, who we are as the people of God, and created to be, and identified as, is being present. On this day, we see this very well in the gift of the Lord's Supper. There's a reason why Martin Luther, at the Marburg Colloquy in 1529, there was this group meeting of Martin Luther and the Reformers, and then Ulrich Zwingli and the Reformers from Switzerland. They had this sit-down. They thought, if we're in this Reformation, let's sit down and see if we can find agreement with one another so that we can join forces, so to speak, and kind of go forth together. And they, at the time, had many areas of agreement, which Zwingli later would renege upon. And then they came to the point of the Lord's Supper. And Martin Luther kept, it's, it, there, it's, scholars debate how this happened. Either he had it on a, stone, or on a slate tablet, or he had it etched into the table. He kept saying, est, est, is, is, this is my body, this is my blood to the point that Zwingli was almost in tears because he refused to believe that it was the body and blood of Christ. And so at the end of this meeting, they said there can be no agreement, and Luther even refused to shake Zwingli's hand. He looked Zwingli in the face and said, you and I are of a different spirit. Zwingli refused to confess that Jesus is truly present in the Lord's Supper. So Luther knew the importance of this, and the two parted ways, and rightly so. So the sacrament of the altar, the Lord's Supper, is by its very nature very close. It's a present thing. In the epistle reading tonight, God, through St. Paul, writes this. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So here's Jesus, and he says, This is my body. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Now in the large catechism, Luther has this, he says this about this, and I think it's helpful. With this word, you can strengthen your conscience and say, if a hundred thousand devils together with all fanatics should rush forward crying, how can bread and wine be Christ's body and blood? Which, by the way, the devils that he refers to in a mighty fortress, the devils all the world should fill, he's referring to Zwingli and those who deny the presence of the Lord, of Jesus in the Lord's Supper. I know that all the spirits and scholars together are not as wise as is the divine majesty in his little finger. Now here stands Christ's word, take, eat, this is my body, drink of it, all of you, this is my blood of the New Testament, and so on. Here we stop to watch those who will call themselves his masters and make the matter different from what he has spoken. It is true indeed that if you take away the word or regard the sacrament without the words, you have nothing but mere bread and wine. But if the words remain with them as they shall and must, then by virtue of the words, it is truly Christ's body and blood. What Christ's lips say and speak, so it is. He can never lie or deceive. So Jesus is here tonight because he says he is, and he promises to be. Now, was Jesus here last Monday, Thursday? Of course, his word was read and it was preached. And he says in Matthew, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. He still is here. But there is something special still about the Lord's Supper. And there's a reason why we treasure it and hold it in great reverence and regard. This was the night Jesus was betrayed. And he gave the sacrament to the church to eat and drink until he returns again in glory. So without the word and the sacraments, there is no church. There is no Christian faith. Without these means of grace, these physical, tangible things gathered in a place together, we don't have Christ and his benefits. There is no church. So where has Christ promised to be? He says, this is my body. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. So when we as Christians hear those words, we take it seriously. And we go to where the Lord promises to be, where his word is preached, where his sacraments are administered. We take him at his word, and we don't doubt it. Luther later in the large catechism said, if we realized how many arrows the devil has pointed right at us, we would go running as fast as we could to the Lord's Supper to take it any instance that we could. Or later, when he talks about some of his sermons in Holy Week, he talks about going to the Lord's Supper, that we would crawl on our hands and knees if we really believed that Jesus does these things and brings us these gifts. We would be packed to receive those benefits. Jesus is actually here, present in his word, present among us, present in his supper. And so we heed that call to examine ourselves and repent. That epistle reading gives that warning to us tonight as well. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for if anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself, this is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined 
so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So the Lord's Supper is no child's plaything. It matters what one believes, not for the sake of making the sacrament what it is. God's word does that. But the Lord is here in this means. And approaching God is a serious thing. Approaching God in unrepentant sin rejects the work of Christ. And it takes into one's mouth the very Lord his life is profaning. So one confesses matters both before God and before others. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes in the Lord's Supper. You preach when you receive the Lord's Supper. You proclaim that. We confess his word. So we examine ourselves according to God's word, lest we're condemned along with the world around us, who mocks the gifts of God, who scoffs at God's word, who profanes God's holy name in whatever way it can, who wonders why in the world are these people gathering on a Thursday night in this random week of the year. But Jesus is present in this very place tonight. And the Holy Spirit has gathered you here. Because the Christian church will always be defined, not by distance, but presence. So what an amazing and wonderful gift it is, which the Lord has instituted and given here and now. So think about that. The Lord who laid aside his glory, dwelled among his people as the Lord who was crucified and risen. And so he's the same Lord who promised to be with us, promised to be with you always to the very end of the age. So the church gathers together as the body of Christ, and we feast on the body of Christ. All of the treasure of heaven is given to you by your Lord, and he keeps you safe in his care. He's with you, and he's here for you. So receiving the Lord's Supper is a wonderful thing. Having the Lord present for you in this sacrament is a saving thing. His own body and blood are given and shed for your forgiveness. All fear, all doubt, all sin, all assaults of the devil and death are cast out as the Lord gives you himself and consolation. He really does that. He gives it to you. And so here we see the great kindness that God invites us to receive. Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And so then we see that the Lord gives us all that is good, that he gives us the medicine of immortality. And to that today is Monday, Thursday. And God is faithful. Today is a good day. Tomorrow is a good day. Sunday is a good day. And the Lord gives good things. So gathered together here in this holy place, we hear these words. We take these gifts the Lord gives. We proclaim boldly the death of Christ for us, which has made us his own and gives us eternal life. And we cling so tightly to those means and look forward to that day when we are with the Lord in his unveiled presence, a day that will never end, a day where there will never be distance again, a day that will go on forever. Amen.